Hey guys, welcome to the Jesus Name News Podcast. I'm Larry and I got Derek with me and this week we are going to talk about Halloween because it really is that time of year. So Derek, let's, uh, before we talk about like, you know, get deep into this, you know, I, I think we should just kind of give a little background of like where we both come from and what we've experienced in regards to Halloween kind of just so people know where we're coming from and the kind of experiences we've had and seen. Um, so you want to go first? Yeah. Um, so for Halloween, me growing up, it was like a no-no. Uh, I guess that's pretty typical of most Southern Christian homes, especially if you're a conservative Christian, like very strictly conservative. Um, personally, like I didn't really get into the Halloween thing because I thought it was all scary and weird and I, I didn't like that. Uh, I was that kid that got scared by the commercials, so I didn't really care for it. Um, <laughs> which, I mean, sounds weird, but... <laughs> hey, you know, some of those commercials are legit, like, especially for kids, like, they can be a little creepy. Exactly. So, like, my family growing up, like, we didn't really do it. Now, we did have, like, fall festivals at the church. We did have bonfires at the church. Um just as like i guess replacements of sorts which the church has a history of doing um especially if more on that later in this episode <laughs> um <laughs> but i mean it was honestly growing up halloween like we didn't do the whole dress up thing that didn't come on and i didn't really start doing that or be allowed to do that up until like maybe my ninth grade year um and i wasn't really allowed to trick or treat we didn't do those things like however growing up like halloween itself like the jack-o-lanterns the candy you know all those things like love them like <laughs> and and larry can even tell you now like my background right now since it's halloween season <laughs> my background on my mac and on my iphone and on my ipad are all halloween themed like i am uh, when it comes to halloween now, as an adult, I don't celebrate the scary stuff, but I do celebrate because I just think it's a cool holiday. Like, I, I enjoy the the opportunity to spend time with ki my kid and create memories with my kid and you know teach them about, you know, maybe some of the martyrs and saints like and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but <laughs> Uh, again coming later in this episode um yeah, yeah i mean i i really think there's a lot of value in that i think that's something that we didn't have a lot growing up you know i i mean i remember we i did not i didn't really grow up in church so like my parents got the holy ghost when i was two and then we backslid like nine months or a year later or something and then we got back into church when I was like 11 or so. And so like, you know, I did the usual stuff. I, trunk, I trick or treated. I did all of that stuff when I was a kid. And then we got into church and all of a sudden it was like hard stop. Which sucks. Which was like really sudden. I didn't care as much because I was, I was kind of aged out of it anyway. I was at the scam for candy age. Hold on. Are, are you ever aged out of Halloween? Because like 
But when when I was, I mean, you got to remember, like I, I'm 37. Okay. So when I was 11, it was 1994. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so Halloween was much more basic when I was 11 than it is now, or Perfect. even when you were 11. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like 90s Halloween, I vaguely remember it because I was I was pretty young, but I was old enough to remember Halloween in the 90s. Yeah. But I mean, there Halloween. were a few Halloween themed movies that weren't really scary, but were kid aimed and stuff. And like, but like it didn't become like the huge cultural thing like it is now. And over time, some of that went away. Like, you know, when we first came back to church. Um, there were a lot of, there were like the fall festival where you wore costumes and they gave you a giant bag of candy and they scheduled it during trick or treat time so that you wouldn't trick or treat, which I mean, it kind of worked because we didn't go trick or treating because we went to that. But at the same time, like there were families that just found other neighborhoods that were trick or treating at different time and then went to those. Oh Yeah. You know, and so, like, there's always ways around things like that. Plus, you can't. But even beyond that, like, I didn't know that when I was a kid. I'm sure some of the adults probably realized. But, like, as I got older, a lot of that stuff kind of went away. I mean, my church did trunk or treat for a few years. And there were some people that were really offended by it and were like, we're giving place to the devil. And then there were other people who were like, it's a great outreach tool. It makes us look good to the community. It helps us look like a friendly place to be. And uh, we ultimately stopped doing it. Not because not, I mean, there were a lot of reasons, but it wasn't because we thought it was evil. We just, we weren't, we weren't really seeing any positive impact from it at all. Right. You know, and, and that's not saying that like our, we, we weren't doing our events as some sort of like backdoor scam to get people to come to church, but like because of what trunker treats are now, it was just a bunch of families who brought their kids to 17 different trunk or treats all throughout the month of October to get a bunch of free candy. Yeah. Well, like they didn't notice where they were. They didn't care where they were. And so we realized that we weren't getting a lot of benefit from it because people weren't making connections with us at all. You know, we, we do something similar and Halloween this year falls on a Sunday. So yeah. I assume that our trunk or treat will be on Sunday night. And I'm personally okay with that. Um, I enjoy the way that we did it. Obviously COVID last year, we didn't do trunk or treat. <laughs> um, now the two years that I, before that, when, since I've been at my current church, the two years before that, I really had uh, a lot of fun because it was like, yes, this is a community thing, community oriented thing, but it was really for like the church members and the church kids. Like it was a time to like gather as a church and fellowship. And I really enjoyed that. Um, I don't know. Like, I guess there's dual purposes to everything. Um, we are a very community minded church. Like our, our church has been where it is now since 1971. So yeah. everyone knows the church. And it's on like one of the main roads of the city. So, and so uh, everyone knows the church. We don't have that problem, but we do want to create opportunities for fellowship. And I feel like trunk or treats create that opportunity. Um, yeah, absolutely. And- now, now the next part of this, and this is something, again, I told you I wanted to have fun. 
So yeah. I, I love Halloween. <laughs> I, I love the folklore of different areas. Like I spend time looking up folklore just because I think it's cool. So yeah. Like, were there any like folklore that existed that you kind of like as a kid were like, oh, don't go there? Like in real life? No. I mean, like. Folklore. I mean, you got to remember when I was a kid, though, like I wasn't in church. So like, I I mean, not that I watched it a lot. Like, I'm sure my mom would would hurt me for making it sound like they were awful parents and showed me stuff. But like I I saw some like legit horror movies that were like way more scary than I should have watched when I was a younger kid. And when I got into church, that kind of that changed a lot. But there were a few that I had watched a little earlier. And so like. There was stuff like that, but like there wasn't any like that spooky house that I didn't want to go near or anything like that. There wasn't any of that kind of thing. Okay. So this is where I can tell you, like, I know of at least two, maybe three. And uh, there are many, many more that I don't have time to go into. But the main one that I want to talk about is one that if you look into President Andrew Jackson's writings, especially around the War of 1812 and the Creek War. Uh, he actually wrote about this. Um, it's called Witch Dance. It's on the, Natu- the Natchez Trace uh, near Houston, Mississippi. Uh, it is believed to be a place where witches gathered to practice witchcraft uh, and, you know, improve their abilities in the dark arts. And uh, honestly, it even has roots. You, you, got, you know the uh, Chickasaw and Choctaw indian tribes right yeah it actually also has roots there too like there are mounds indian mounds there that um chickasaw tribes and choctaw tribes trace their roots to and there's a ancient folklore even there it's believed (laughs) that uh the some of the patriarchs of the people that created those tribes are in those mounds And therefore, it's a very holy spiritual place for paganism and dark arts, like all this stuff. And supposedly, like on the night of Halloween or October 30th, you know, all that kind of stuff, you can it's a campground now Uh, and you can actually go camp there. And it is told that if you camp there on October 30th or 31st, that you will hear the witches of old. uh performing incantations and dancing and you know hear the dancing and music and see the little fires uh that glow there's there's multiple things like that and then there's another one uh there's multiple of these where it's believed that a car gets pushed up a hill by spirits that are believed to be dead children uh wild 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 thing it's called gravity hill uh wild stuff uh wait does it happen every year it has this happens like you can anytime during the year is there like documentation of it there is some documentation Uh, okay so i i mean like i guess i was thinking of your question a little too limitedly right yes like when i was a little like when i was a kid like dude like ghost stories are like the thing man Oh yeah, that's that's what you did as in the night. Yeah, like I mean, like I like sci-fi and fantasy and stuff, and so like 
not that I was like super like crazy into it, but like I mean, I like me a good goosebump story. Absolutely, like that. Like they were they were being published when I was a kid, so like this was fresh stuff when I was you know the ages of this stuff. So same, like, same. yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know how long they kept getting published for, but I know like I didn't have as many options when I was a kid as like six years later when my siblings were. First of all, you know. I have a Goosebump shirt that is t- purple tie dye and has the Goosebumps logo on it. I love it. The kids love it. I love it. Like one of my all time favorite shirts that I've bought. Uh, that's how much I love this holiday. But so, like, I guess this is my thing. Okay. So, you love Halloween. Like, and not that you love, like, the, the occult and witchcraft part of it, but like, you are like super into it. Like, we've had so many conversations where you're just like, it's my favorite. And I mean, like, you like so many holidays. It's ridiculous. You are a very holiday person. I'm sure we will have multiple episodes where, we're like, this is one of Derek's favorite days. I can't say top 10 because there's just like 20 of them that are all tied for first. There is a number one, though. Uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I think that there is a lot of value in realizing the aspects of things like this. Right. I think that's where I come down on it is that separating like the occult stuff from the pseudo church stuff from the completely secular silliness of we wear a silly costume and have a silly party and get some candy. Like, you know, Christmas is a good example of the same thing, but there's lots of things that have multiple aspects of them. And I I guess my question is, and I know like you're kind of our history guy. So, you know, you got a whole bunch of stuff for us to talk about Um, is like, what are the aspects of this? What of it is nonsense? What of it has some level of truth to it? What is like, I mean, because like a few weeks ago, we talked about the occult and like, let's be real here. Like, as I get older, I care less about avoiding things like Halloween, but I also become more aware that, you know, when I was 12, I thought the occult was fake. Right. I thought witches weren't real because that's what the church acted like. We talked about witches like they were boogeymen, not like they were real. Correct. Right. Like it was just something used to scare people. But the thing is, is that it is real. There is actual witchcraft. There is actual occult stuff. There is actual things of this. So like, where is the myth? Where is the reality? And what is in the middle? So this is where I had already knew a lot of this stuff, but I had to go back and refresh myself. So Halloween comes from like the contraction all hallows evening uh, also known as all halloween or all hallows eve or all saints eve whatever either way it's a celebration observed like in countries around the world so on october 31st the eve of the western christian feast of all hallows day like there's a whole feast for this thing so it begins the observance of the All Hallow Tide, which is All Hallows Day and All Saints Day. Uh, it's just this time in the in the Catholic liturgical year, like they're teaching. It's dedicated to remembering the dead, which including which includes the saints, which is the Hallows, uh, the martyrs, and the faithfully departed. However, there are like two very, very, very 
different routes. And honestly, I, when I'm reading through this and refreshing myself, cannot pin one side or the other for some of these traditions because they all sound so ridiculously similar. Okay. So again, this is another one of those places where I'm just going, okay. And we'll, we'll get into these traditions, but like just thoughts thinking on this as you're talking is it's another one of those things. Like if different cultures that were so separated came to the same ideas then what is the truth? Like, is there truth to it? You know, like, you know, like if, if we come to it and let's say we discover that the Incans had, you know, a festival for the dead on November 1st and October 31st was the evening evening of it. And there was a whole bunch of stuff. And yet, you know, Europe had a bunch of it and like, it's all in these places. And some of that is accurate. There are actually multiple festivals that are on top of each other. Yep. Like, okay. So was there truth to it? Like, is there actually something? And, I, and we'll get to it. I'm sure. But like that, it just, it, well, you're what you're leading into my fascination with some of this stuff and what I want to know and what I want to know about so much of the Bible and about all of this is like, what is the real reason for things? And it's something that I think we're going to end up talking about a lot more moving forward. <laughs> yeah. So really I fall more into uh, this area where I can't pin it on one side or the other. And so let's start with your first part. All these disconnected cultures at first having some kind of, festival for this day right mm -hmm. uh because the romans which is where you get the hall hallows day and the catholic influence also had a day where they celebrated the dead that fell around this day as well so you know october 31st november 1st so let's start with the pagan side of things and where that comes from so Many historians believe that Halloween's roots are found in the Irish festival called Samhain, which is just the old Irish word for summer's end. So Samhain marked the end of this harvest season and the beginning of winter, which is considered the darker, uh, quote unquote, half of the year. I mean, visually it is, but spiritually as well. It's believed well, that... I mean, and... The reality is, is some of the Halloween traditions are just fall traditions, too, in a lot of areas. I mean, I know, like, maybe down south by you, there isn't quite as much fall. <laughs> but up here by us, we have, like, three months of fall. <laughs> yeah, no, well, we have a fall. It may last two weeks, but we have a fall. But it's it's believed during this time, uh, and, this, and that's where you do get, I agree with you, that the summer's end thing, that's where you definitely see those fall roots, uh, autumn roots. But it's believed that the spiritual darkness of this time, uh, the boundary between this world that we live in and the quote-unquote other world is thinned. Thus, these spirits or fairies could more easily enter our world 
and were particularly particularly active during this time. So this is where I personally got really interested because when you start talking about these kinds of things, it's like spirits and fairies. Fairies sounds fake. Spirits can be real. But here's where I got interested. I did a little bit of research on what these spirits or fairies were considered or in the Gaelic tradition. And also, there's a lot of, I mean, I know you know this, but for the sake of our listeners, there's, when we say fairies, there's multiple meanings and backgrounds to fairies. So like considered elves, these, these fairies are not like the little winged flying, like Thumbelina kind of things. Think goblin, goblin. Yeah, they're almost more like goblins or like elves or that kind of thing. Like they're, I want to say that proper spelling of these fairies would be F-A-E-R-I-E-S, right? Yes, they are the darker. Yeah, they're just, it's, it's, it, for whatever reason, fairy is a word that ended up being used in different mythologies for different things. However, these spirits and fairies are more active, believe so anyway. But I did a little bit of research behind like, what these spirits and fairies were in the Gaelic tradition and Celtic mythology and all that stuff. And where it actually comes from is called the spelling looks nothing like what it sounds like. Is she. It's spelled like Aos C. It's, it's actually Is she. And if you do a little bit more digging, you come up with the word Sith which I found cool. So, <laughs> so Sith are real, <laughs> or at yeah. least in Celtic mythology. Uh, however, these... Another e- thing George Lucas ripped off. Yeah. So these East She's are considered to be either one, fallen angels, or tribe of the gods of Danube, which is simply the gods that, in Celtic mythology, that predate christianization of the region right so throughout ireland and britain the household festivals included rituals and games you know foretelling one's future especially regarding death or marriage and apples or nuts are used in these divination rituals but what i really want to talk about is these fallen angels idea because as larry knows this is i believe in some in a sort of forbidden i wouldn't even say forbidden but kind of not orthodox theology on fallen angels when it when it comes to the sons of men so i found that interesting uh well yeah and i'm just hearing this and i'm just going so more of that same overlap we've talked about a couple times in the last few weeks yeah more of the same overlap especially that fallen angels you know tribe of the gods of danube uh many believe that these fallen angels become the olympians that of Roman mythology. I don't, I don't believe that, but, but they, uh, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it's just really hard to explain that. But either way, like all these rituals that we associate with Halloween were included in this Samhain festival, you know, it included apple bobbing, it included nut roasting and scrying or mirror gazing. So you're gazing into a mirror uh, pouring molten lead or egg bots into water and dream interpretation, uh, among others, you know? So okay, especially- just to kind of cut in real quick, though. Like, okay, so 
Halloween, right? I mean, I, I know that we're talking about the very westernized version, which is very much influenced by England and France and Ireland, right? Yeah. But like Halloween, as we know it being kind of a Catholic thing, as we'll get to it, like if you have a traditional Halloween in Turkey, or I mean, I know Turkey is Islamic now, but like if we would have had one in 1700 or whatever, would that have had apple bobbing? I mean, like, I feel like some of this is just well, a lot of it, British it, culture. A lot of it is, like you said, British culture, because you have a lot of Celtic and Gaelic influence in the region. But at the same time, uh, and we'll talk about it, um, <laughs> a lot of these rituals were carried throughout Europe and into North America, but the symbology changed. You know, mm-hmm. instead of turnips, you're we to carve faces into we use pumpkins because they were native to north america but uh in a way like Turnip faces sound terrifying yeah it don't look up the images they're worse yeah uh, i mean pumpkin faces can be kind of cool but turnip faces sound horrifying yeah they they're as horrifying as you could imagine uh, but <laughs> what i find interesting is again bonfires so like i mentioned we had bonfires growing up Special bonfires were lit and there are rituals involving them. You know, their flames, their smoke and ashes were deemed to have protective and cleansing powers and were also used for, again, divination, which we've talked about, the occult. <laughs> so, But not only the occult, but the flames and the ashes used for, used for Prote- um, protective and cleansing stuff, that's in the Old Testament. Like the flames and the ashes in the temple had stuff like about it. I mean, I don't know what it is exactly. And I'm sure I'm butchering it somehow, but like it's not, I mean, flames are used as cleansing things. I want to say ashes are used as cleansing in the old Testament too. So like there is some actual application even biblically with some of these ideas. The problem is you get into that back door that we talked about. Yes, uh, when you're not you're doing it in the right way, you do get into that back door. But it's just, again, it's interesting how, I mean, I doubt, I don't see how Jewish thought would have affected Celtic ancient religions. Right. Well, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, even those tribes of Danube, depending on whether you go back to the paganistic or the Abrahamic version. Yeah which would be the tribe of Dan. <laughs> so like, there are many things that... Wait, what? Yeah, it's a whole thing. <laughs> they think that the, the that's the tribe of Dan? From what I read, so, like, I don't the know. The tribe that, of Dan, supposedly what they're saying is the tribe of Dan got scattered to Ireland and brought the pagan yes. gods of... Have you never heard that? That, that is actually an actual them? thing. Yeah, that's an actual thing. Uh. The tribe of, yeah, the tribe of Dan, like it, it's a whole thing because you know, Dan got swallowed up. So, like, this is, I, I had no idea. Like, yeah, it, that's, I mean, I know they got scattered, but I didn't know, like, we had an idea of where some of them got scattered. We don't, that's just a myth. Uh, oh, well, I mean, I didn't know there were myths about where they got yeah. scattered, like that. Well, there's, I, guess, there's I didn't know there were that complete of myths about it. Like, I knew there were like. But even going back to some of those Indian, like Native American beliefs, 
uh, so some people believe that those are remnants of the scattered tribes of Israel because of the mythology. The mythology almost directly reflects a lot of Jewish symbology and thought. But in some <laughs> places, though, like, you know, torches, getting back, it, torches were lit for the uh, from the bonfire and were carried sunwise, you know, the way the sun moves around homes and fields to protect them. It suggested that the fires were kind of like an imitative or sympathetic magic. They mimic the sun, helping the powers of growth and holding back the decay of darkness of winter. And in Scotland, these bonfires and divination games were banned by the church elders in, in some of these parishes. In other places like Wells, bonfires were lit to prevent the souls of the dead from falling to earth. And later, the bonfires are served to keep away the devil. So uh, the the application of these things changed over time, and uh, I I, I personally find uh, you know in Scotland the the church elders banning it uh, as interesting, but you know really a lot of this when you if you go back to what you said earlier a lot of this reflects just fall and the change of to winter. Uh, well, yeah, and bonfires kind of do that, too. I mean, you have a bonfire because it's warm and it makes a fall evening really fun and nice because you have this big thing of warmth in the middle of a group of people. Well, yeah, uh, but a lot of this was trying to get the sympathetic magic, you know, trying to get yeah. sustainability through winter when winter was pretty unsustainable. Uh, yeah, and... I guess, you know, again, my my brain letting you kind of be the educator and me be the ponderer while we're doing this, which, you know, is like my favorite role to take in life. Um, yes, we I hear this like they're they're lighting these bonfires to keep the spirits away. And then as it becomes Christianized, they light the bonfires to keep the devils away. And then we create this myth where there's the lake of fire. That's the second death that feels very symbolic. Right. Yeah. And not like it's literal fire of like burning torture, but it's symbolic of something. And I don't know what, but like as time goes on and, and we can do multiple episodes on this, I'm sure. And we don't have time to get into it, but it's just really interesting that as these, these pagan things start entering the church, the church started believing more in hell as a literal fiery pit of torment of demons and right. and and we see explicit use of that in pagan mythologies but we don't see use of that in jewish mythologies which we're going to get into <laughs> which we're going to get into and we're going to do tons of episodes on which i'm super excited about everybody like dude i i'm so interested in where our roots are and why we believe things we do like it's like top of my list of like what i want to know but I, I just like hearing this. It just made that click in my head. Like, like, yeah, the Bible talks about the lake of fire, but I mean, this is much more literal and specific about flame being some anti-demon thing and being associated with evil spirits and stuff. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, even, you know, getting into more paganistic roots and, you know, what, you know, what some people think, uh, Beyond bonfires, people went house to house in costume or in disguise, usually reciting verses and songs in exchange for food. 
you know, it may have been, may have originally been a tradition whereby people impersonated the East. She are these fallen angels or the souls of the dead and received offerings on their behalf, similar to the custom of souling, which we'll talk about in a second. I was going to say, I have no idea what that is. (laughs) Yeah. Souling. It's, it's a whole thing. Uh, Right. Let's talk about it. (laughs) So impersonating, but either way, like impersonating these beings or wearing a disguise was believed to protect yourself. Uh, from those beings it's it is suggested that the people who dressed up personified the old spirits of the winter and who demanded a reward in exchange for good fortune and in parts of southern ireland you got people dressing up that have a hobby horse and a man dressed in uh larabian which is like a lot mare the led you he led use house to house so he's dressed up like a lot horse led use house to house reciting verses which had paganistic overtones and if you didn't donate food you would probably not expect fortune to come to your house during winter so again like there's your trick-or-treating right so uh some even in wells you know getting into uh, getting into like the gruesome part of Halloween in parts of Wales, men dressed up uh, as fearsome things called the war child, which is insane. And, you know, there you, you're just seeing these paganistic overtones. If you're looking at it from this side of Halloween and what's going on with Sam Hain. So, like, the other thing I hear in all of this, too, though, like, thinking about how people work, right, is people trying to feel empowered against the horror that they knew was coming in the winter. Because in Ireland and England, especially, you know, a thousand years ago. Winter winter was rough. Like, I mean, winter was like, I mean, it's. I mean, we hear of Native Americans that they had some things, but they also traveled a lot, a bit. So, you know, they could try, they could wander north in the summer, wander south a little bit in the winter and have semi-permanent places in somewhat milder areas. But like England and England and Ireland, like they're islands, you're stuck. You can't get out of what is, you know, a winter in the north. Right. You know, and so... Like these people who were there a thousand years ago, like, I mean, winter was literally a chance of, you knew that there were people in your town that were not going to make it just because winter was literally bringing death in all of these communities. Well, and it's really reflected in uh, a lot of what they did. You know, you say they wanted to feel empowered. Well, what's more empowering than dressing up like a spirit and trying to get some good fortune. Well, yeah. And then believing that if you dressed up like that spirit, the spirit wouldn't visit you in the coming months of death. Right. The death spirits would leave you alone. Like, I I mean, from just like thinking about how people try to deal with bad things, I, I kind of understand where they're coming from. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And, you know, from at least, 18th century on, you know, imitating these malignant spirits led to playing pranks in Ireland and in some of Scotland and wearing costumes of playing pranks at Halloween spread to England in the 20 is 
late as the 20th century. Uh, traditionally, pranksters used hollowed out turnips so, or mangled, mangolds, you know, those big stupid things. So often carved with <laughs> grotesque faces as lanterns and by those who made them, the lanterns were various, variously said to represent the spirits and, or were used to ward off evil spirits. And in the 20th century, they spread to other parts of England and became known as the jack-o'-lantern. So you're, that, that's the paganistic side of things, right? Now, there are a ton of paganistic overtones, and would you say that most of that really fits in with Halloween today? I mean, for the most part, I would. I mean, yeah, that's that sounds very much like what we were. And I mean, you didn't even get in. We didn't even get into some of the like more. I don't even know if it's true stereotypical stuff like the Druids and the, you know, like that kind of stuff that people talk about. I don't I mean, I, I mean, yeah. but I, I think I think some of those are probably more myth and real or they're actually coming from the Christian side of things. And they're, <laughs> you know, well, the problem is when you get into that, like it being real or not real with druids like either way it it doesn't come up with the actual history of halloween it's kind of like a sideshow if you want to think of it that way Interesting. Uh, it's, it's so i guess not, we found something that wasn't true that people claim is more true yeah i and personally i don't i don't think a lot of that garbage is real either but uh either way like if you look at the Christian influence and we talked about all Hallows day and all Hallows Eve. Yeah. Or all saints day. Like what is all saints day? I guess. Well, all saints day obviously celebrates the saints. And then all Hallows Eve is like when they would pray for the ones that weren't saved. Right. So the, yeah, kind of. So they would hope that overnight they would convert from the unsaved to the saved and like what leave purgatory or something. Yeah, kind of like that. We're going to get into it. <laughs> so, We're going to get into it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of us. Yeah. So the Feast of All Hallows uh, is on its current date in the Western Church, and it's traced to like, Pope Gregory III, which is from like 731 to 741 uh, AD, not BC, because the Catholic Church wasn't founded in BC. That's impossible. So <laughs> founding of an oratory so he pope gregory founds an oratory in saint peter's for the relics of the holy apostles and of all the saints and martyrs and confessors saint peter's where uh is that the one in rome yeah rome or yeah i think it's rome yeah Um, the basilica or whatever in rome yeah uh so by the end of the 12th century though they had become holy days of obligation, like you were obligated to celebrate it across Europe and involve such traditions such as ringing church bells for the souls that were in purgatory. Um, so interesting tidbit, though, of history here. Uh, All Hallows Day was actually on, on um, October 31st to begin with. It's now on November 1st. Why? Well, some of the cardinals and bishops got together and they were like, they implored the Pope at that time, hey, you need to move it to November 1st, which again, what day, it, what, what is typically celebrated on uh, October 31st to November 1st? Sam Hain. 
So it's kind of like er, a backdoor replacement type thing going on. Seem, they seem, moved it one day to match the pagan holiday? Never. <laughs> I mean, not that they openly admitted that, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely... That seems to be what it was about. Yeah, well, and some some people point to like Rome couldn't handle that amount of people because of the Roman fever that was going on at that time. Um, so there there are different explanations that you can use to explain it away. But either way, like All Hallows Day was supposed to be this thing about purgatory and you know celebrating the saints and martyrs that had passed on. However, I mentioned souling, right? So something similar to selling was again, those people dressing up as the East, she are souls of the dead and receiving offerings on their behalf. Well, souling was a little the annoyed that we're on the Christian side of, yeah. of this explanation and talking about this. Right. So selling the cut was the custom of baking and sharing soul cakes for all the Christian souls uh which has been a suggested thing for trick-or-treating again so again you're seeing like a double like dual roots here right but you can go one way or the other with it almost so uh the custom the custom dates back to at least the 15th century as far as we know and it was found in parts of england and germany and flanders and austria so that whole area uh, a lot of the same uh, ethnic groups of sorts, Germanic peoples in some way. Uh, groups of poor people, often children, would go door to door during All Hallow Tide, collecting soul cakes in exchange for praying for the dead, especially for the, especially especially the souls of the givers, friends, and relatives. So people who were giving these cakes and things, the kids would be like, "Hey, well, we're going to pray for your friends and your relatives." And the soul cakes would also be offered for the souls to eat themselves or the solars quote unquote would act as their representatives. So again, you're seeing like, is this a pagan tradition or is this a Catholic tradition? And you have dual roots once again. Um, so I just, like really the, the the church was saying let's bake a cake for the lost soul and we'll share it and we'll leave a piece out for the lost soul to find on its way back to heaven yeah i mean it's, it's Ugh, i mean i i mean i know we're saying dual roots here but can we just call a spade a spade like they might have said they were the church but that is absolutely pagan it's I mean, I know we talked about like witchcraft can be in the church, but like that's legitimately what this is. This is witchcraft. Yeah, it is. It's it's like, all cult. I mean, it might be doing it in the quote unquote name of the church, but like these aren't church traditions. These aren't biblical guidelines. There's no there is no biblical example of baking a cake for a lost soul to make it from hell to heaven. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it, purgatory. First of all, I don't, I don't know what to make of it. But second of all, but praying for the dead, uh, I don't get that either, because I feel like the Apostle Paul covered it 
pretty well. There is a point on demand once to die, then the judgment. Um, that's how that's supposed to go, according to Paul. Mm-hmm. And th- he was one of the people called up into the third heaven along with John. So um, I feel like he's a pretty trustworthy guy. <laughs> uh, but moving on to another custom, costumes. So where is the Christian custom on costumes? Well, Prince Sori Conte wrote, uh, it was traditionally it was traditionally believed that the souls of the departed wandered the earth until All Saints Day and All Hallows Eve provided one last chance for the dead to gain vengeance on their enemies before moving to the next world in order to avoid being recognized by any soul that might be seeking such vengeance. People would don masks or costumes to disguise them their identities in case that they were one of these people the souls wanted vengeance on. So you're seeing like, the spooky side of Halloween now. Uh, and honestly, like when you're, it's not even on the paganistic side at this point. It's honestly more on the Christian side that I see the spookiness. <laughs> so that's weird. Uh, yeah. I, I, again, like it, it's so. Yeah, I, I have a question about all of that too, but we can wait until after we explain the Christian side because it definitely goes back to the dual root thing. So I want to get through. Yeah. That so first. it's claimed in the Middle Ages, though, that churches that were too poor to display the relics of the Christians continued to observe this custom at Halloween. You know, they continue to observe this custom at Halloween Day, some of them. And that is dressing up as the saints instead so they couldn't afford to get those relics so the parishioners the people that were underneath the you know the bishop or the preacher of the church i forget what they call them um they would dress up as the saints themselves so and some people still so was kind of like old school cosplay kind of uh <laughs> kind of <laughs> odd way of putting it but yes <laughs> i mean it's a really odd way of putting it but i mean functionally speaking they're they're kind of doing the same thing they're dressing up as their no better word for it but mythological figures in order to yeah. kind of celebrate what they know about those figures and tell stories about them it's literally why people cosplay like yeah i mean uh, some people believe that this could have been like christianization of an earlier pagan custom and I mean, it's cert- the 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 history of that is certainly there. I think that that's probably pretty good. And namely, the person that believes that, uh, Leslie Bannatine, uh, she's a historian. But while sowing, Christians would carry with them lanterns made of hollowed out turnips. So again, terrifying. Like these things look terrifying. Don't look them up late at night. It has been suggested that the carved jack-o'-lantern, which is we all know and love today, it is that's been one of the suggested. Uh, the turnip was the suggested root of that, and originally, it's believed the jack-o'-lantern represented the souls of the dead. Which, again, referring back to the paganistic in influence, possibly, I see some paganistic influence there. Uh, it has been suggested that the carved jack-o'-lantern, uh, you know, 
was to ward off spirits as well. But uh, there is some interesting um, the folk tale. I won't even call it theology. It's a folk tale that's been associated with a jack-o'-lantern, okay? I'm going to read this to you. This is the actual folklore, okay? On route home, on the route home, after a night's drinking, Jack encounters the devil and tricks him into climbing a tree. A quick-thinking Jack etches the sign of the cross into the bark, thus trapping the devil. Jack strikes a bargain that Satan can never claim his soul. After a life of sin, drink, and mendacity, Jack has refused entry into heaven when he dies. Keeping his promise, the devil refuses to let Jack into hell and throws a live coal straight from the fires of hell at him. Now it was a cold night, so Jack places the coal in a hollowed-out turnip to stop it from going out, since, since which time Jack and his lantern have been roaming, looking for a place to stay. Honestly, sounds like a really good movie, first of all. I feel like I've heard that story, but not like associated with Halloween, but not so explicitly the devil and the sign of the cross thing. Yeah, well, first of all, it sounds like a really cool movie. Second of all, <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> how? How is that an actual folk tale? Uh, I don't understand why they think carving a cross on a tree traps the devil in the branches. That doesn't make any sense. No. Well, either way, it literally. Okay, again, that is literally witchcraft. If drawing a shape on a tree traps a devil in a tree. That is not like biblical positive spirituality. That is casting a spell. It was not drawn. It was etched. Same thing. He just took a knife and carved it into the side of the tree. Like he carved a plus sign with a little extra leg. I mean, yeah. I I mean, if that's all it takes, like that's it's like splash a little holy water and it makes the devil go away. Like, really? Yeah. No, I mean. In a way, like it's a, it's just an interesting backstory. Like, yeah, it is. I find it, it cool, but uh, yeah, it's you know, like I said, I I was always when I was a kid, I was super into like just the story. Not that I believed it was real, but the stories of mythology. Well, if you want to get even more occultic, households <laughs> in Austria, England, and Ireland often had candles burning in every room to guide souls back to the visit their earthly homes. These were known as soul lots. So again, more uh, occult. Like honestly, at this point, I feel like the Catholic tradition is almost more occultic than the pagan tradition itself. <laughs> well, yeah, and I was actually going to ask about that. So, okay, so here's the thing: both of these originated in the Dark Ages. Okay, so I guess this is my question. You know more about history than I do. I mean, I know a little bit, but like you actually professionally do history. So, like. A, how much do we know about Celtic and like English tribes and people before the Dark Ages, like during Rome? Do we know a lot about them? Yeah, or kind of just a little bit. We we know a pretty we know a pretty good bit about them, honestly. Okay, so um, any of these Halloween traditions do they predate the Dark Ages? Uh, honestly, I couldn't find like any specific evidence of that okay Um, 
it sounds almost like somehow during the dark ages this festival broke out in multiple places in europe in at like the same time period well, with I, a lot of the same functions and meanings. Well, I say that I can't find it. it. Doesn't mean it's out there. It's just it doesn't mean it's not out there because we don't know everything. We can't. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, I, I would say that this probably like to me, Halloween sounds more like a a Christianized version of just trying to figure out have one last hurrah before winter comes. That's what I really boil it down to, but yeah, that's what it's, that's what the explanation sounds to me. It really sounds like it's just, and, and all of the creepy mythology and all of that stuff just comes into it for the simple fact that that's the crossover into when you plunge into the heart of winter. And when in a lot of these cultures, they knew that people were going to die from the cold and from starvation and they weren't going to make it through the winter. And when you have that kind of explicit crossover point, like you end up mythologicalized, mythologiz- mythologicalizing, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever word I'm trying to say, I think it's like you start making a myth about it in some of these tones. And that doesn't make it right. That doesn't make it good necessarily. But I mean, I feel like a lot of it goes back to that. And the reality is, is, None of that mythology has any application anymore. Guess what? In America, in Western Europe, on November 1st, we don't have to worry about the reality that 10% of our population might die of cold in the next four months if we're not careful. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> I mean, well, here, here's- so, like, I, I think that's why Halloween has become more silly rather than the other stuff because the reasons that the 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 sociological reasons that those other things existed back in the day don't apply to us well yeah and i agree with that um that doesn't mean though that as you move through the protestant reformation and as britain becomes protestantized and moves away from catholicism after king henry decides I'm getting away from Catholicism because I want to divorce my wife again. So, <laughs> uh, wasn't it because he wanted to kill his wife again? No, he wanted to divorce her. He well, I know, her. but like, hadn't he already killed a few of them to divorce yeah, them? Yeah, definitely wrongly accused them of like treason. And Rome was like, if you eating. kill her, that doesn't count as a divorce anymore because you've already done this so many times. <laughs> yeah. So, like, but either way, like, that is as you move through that Protestantization and the Reformation. Rightly, a lot of these came under attack. Some of these practices came under attack. You know, Protestants berated purgatory as a popish doctrine. And, you know, you got Calvinism on the rise and that isn't compatible. Purgatory is not compatible with predestination. And then that's the Bible. So, yeah, well, (laughs) that too. That's Uh, another episode. But Thus, for some nonconformist Protestants, the, the, the theology of All Hallows' Eve got redefined without purgatory. You know, the returning souls cannot be journeying from purgatory on their way to heaven, as Catholics believed. 
and as they assert instead these ghosts are thought to be actual actual evil spirits so again you're seeing that it morphing into what we have today as such they are threatening those evil spirits are threatening you know we got to ward them off and the jack-o'-lantern was one of the main things that was a folklore about so other protestants maintain the belief in an inner intermediate state so uh known as like hades which is like the bosom of abraham which jesus actually mentions himself and <laughs> and continued which thankfully like that one actually ha- has some truth <laughs> well no i just thinking of all this i'm like wait a second doesn't the okay now that purgatory is real and we can, we're, we're gonna we're gonna do purgatory not maybe not soon but at some point when we get like good st- background on it but just talking out loud since it's up right now like we talk in modern western christianity like there's two op there's two options eternally hell and heaven right but the reality is is the bible doesn't paint it that way the bible gives us two eternal destinations which is the lake of fire and new jerusalem right but then there's also heaven there's a third heaven and there's hades which is like where the dead wait in rest almost yeah like the thing is is that we act like purgatory is this like total utter nonsense thing and purgatory as the catholic church design describes it i would say doesn't match with the bible but an idea of a place that souls wait for judgment does kind of jive with what the bible says and it it lines up with (laughs) hebrew theology well, and it, it just doesn't mean that we can pray for them or bake cakes for them to get out of there to go to heaven. Like that also doesn't well, biblical theology. But like, again, we have this weird state where as we look in history and we see how things are shaped. And again, I'm really excited to talk about this stuff like all the time going forward. But like we see pagan ideas slipping in, right? Right. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this when we really start looking at this stuff. And well, we see even more pagan ideas overtaking those bad pagan ideas and the idea of eliminating pagan ideas. Well, and I agree <laughs> with you. Like There is so much intermingling between church tradition and paganism. And almost to a point where we're so far removed from it that we don't know. And that's kind of where the Halloween thing falls. We're so far removed from these things happening that yeah. we don't actually know what the real origin is. Like there are two origins out there that we know of. And those two origins have extremely similar customs. They have extremely similar backgrounds as to how they handled October 31st and all Hallows and November 1st. So again, like, when I think about it, I personally feel like, you know, in reading through this, obviously we live in a, in a uh, majority Christianized world. Right. So, and what I mean by that is that Christianity has touched mostly every continent and doesn't mean that everyone, like everyone's a Christian. It just means that, or at least in the West, our culture is primarily affected by Christian. Yeah, mythology. It's, it's talking about the influence of Christianity. Yeah, it's it's mo- the Europe and North and South America, especially are primarily impacted by quote unquote Christian thought. 
Now, I mean, yeah, if we were talking about like China or India, that's not necessarily true. No. But like at well, least the part of the world that we know best is absolutely described as quote unquote Christian just because that's the primary cultural influence of our societies. Yeah. And again, going back to, but going back, like personally, I feel like our, our traditions that we have now are rooted in the Catholic style of tradition. Now, I'm be honest with you, researching Samhain and some of those mythological beings like certainly piqued my interest, right? <laughs> but at the same time, when I really thought about it, most of this comes from a Catholic tradition and you know folklore and things like that that were handed down by our ancestors and it formed into what we have today. Right. Like, yeah, you know, in in the medieval times, evil spirits on Halloween, like in regard to them, uh, historian Daniel, Daniel Dill actually writes barns and homes were blessed to protect people and livestock from the effects of witches who were believed to accompany malignant spirits as they traveled the earth. And again, like during this time, especially everything that didn't have an answer could be explained by spirit of some sort in some kind of way. So maybe, maybe it wasn't a witch. Maybe it wasn't a spirit. Maybe it was just winter and winter was terrible during these times, as we've said, either way, the tradition is there. The idea is there of what we have today. And do I think that this, some of these ideas of Halloween call us to not celebrate or have fun on Halloween or whatever? No, I don't. Yeah. So like, definitely let's not make a soul cake. No, don't. And let's not get a coal from the fires of hell and put them in a jack-o'-lantern. Probably not a good idea. Personally, I have four jack-o'-lanterns outside my door right now. Well, but I'm saying don't literally get a coal from the fire of hell. Well, I mean, if you're doing that, I have some, I have more questions. <laughs> I mean, I do have more questions for anybody who's literally getting a coal from the fire of hell. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm actually willing to talk to that person to get those questions answered from them, but like, I, I do have some questions. I do have more questions. Yes. <laughs> so, but like some of this stuff is clearly like stuff we shouldn't do, but at the same time, like seriously, None of this stuff says that your kid can't dress as Captain America or as a cowboy or your daughter can't wear a princess dress and get candy from your neighbors. Like that has it like other than the fact that they went door to door eating soul cakes, it really has nothing to do with the mythology. Yeah, no. And I I agree. It's 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 like. It's just so it's as disconnected as saying you can't have a bonfire when the real reason they did bonfires was just because it was getting cold. I mean, they added mythological justification to it, but the real reason you do bonfires is because it's cold. Yeah. I mean, if I'm if I'm being grill, like I don't see why why we have stigmatized it so much. Now, well, I take that back. I do see why because <laughs> the world did turn it into something that preyed upon fear but 
to be real, we haven't touched the whole like sexification of Halloween at all, which is a whole nother issue that needs to be dealt with next year. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I'm just saying like, how do you like, how do you avoid some of that stuff with your kids? Like, it's not like you're even trick or treating is safe from people in completely inappropriate costumes. No, uh, and I agree, but still when you're getting down to the nitty gritty of it, it's mostly harmless and, Yes, there now don't get me wrong, there are things that you may do on that night that open yourself up to occultic attack or spiritual attack from whatever. Like I certainly believe that. And that's why we say like caution yourself. Yeah. But at the same time, if you're Christian, you should know that line. Yeah. You understand, hey, this is not okay with God. However, this isn't going to hurt. Now, what I do find interesting is Halloween today is an entire, it's an entire uh, event celebrating, celebrated on fear. And what's funny is fear is not bad. Fear is healthy in a lot of cases. Now, there can be too much fear, which has insane psychological effects. But fear itself has not historically and, you know, genealogically proven to be bad. Fear, a healthy dose of fear is how we got here today. Right? Like, the reason we're here today is because some of our ancestors probably had a fear of going out into the open plain where a saber-toothed tiger may be waiting. Hey, you know what? Fear also has a little bit to do with why Halloween is so stigmatized because some of our more recent ancestors were so scared of people possibly having occultic meaning behind things that they did that they just shunned it. Yeah, and I mean, you've got a whole... I mean, that's a form of fear. <laughs> you've got a whole thing where the during Oliver Cromwell's rule, like he's stripping everything off and everyone's happy to see him die. And then his son takes over and he mostly sucks at running the country, so they reinstitute the king. But either way, like what we have today is certainly a far cry from what it was in the Catholic tradition and in the paganistic tradition. Yes, the the symbology, some of the stuff, the tradition is still there, but we are so far removed from it that one, we don't know what the actual origins are. I just gave you two different origins, and you can believe either one you want to. Two, when it really gets down to it, people were afraid of dying. And I think that's what it, what honestly it boils down to. It gave them some sense of hope. And I don't think that's bad in the face of you might die within three months. So on Halloween, I'm, we're going to leave it up to you guys. Personally, I'm going to have some fun on Octo- during October. So take that as you will. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you guys next week.